Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we are so, so grateful for your son, Jesus. Uh, we give you thanks for hope and life that are ours uh, in him and because of him. Uh, Father, we thank you for your strong love that was demonstrated to us uh, through the perfect life and death and resurrection of your Son. Uh, Lord, thank you that Jesus is our firm foundation, uh, that any goodness or righteousness we have does not come from uh, within ourselves, uh, but only from and through your Son. Uh, God, thank you so much for the blood of Jesus that uh, cleanses us and washes away our sins. Uh, thank you for the freedom uh, that is ours in Jesus. Uh, God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather as your people tonight to remember uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, to reflect, and to give thanks. Uh, Lord, my prayer as we open up uh, your word is that you would uh, remind us of the goodness of Jesus and that we would be blown away. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. You may have a seat. Uh, these are the last uh, moments of the life of Christ recorded for us in the Gospel of John, uh, beginning in chapter 18. I want to um, just read through this story, John chapter 18 and 19. You can follow along on the screen, or if you have a copy of the Scriptures, you can turn with me. Uh, John chapter 18, uh, verse 1 reads, When Jesus had spoken these words, uh, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Uh, so Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there uh, with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, uh, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom he gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Verse 12 reads, So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, uh, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die uh, for the people. Uh, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. 
Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire but it was because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews came together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me, uh, heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? And Jesus answered him, If what I said was wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent, uh, sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now when Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, uh, so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters uh, so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, Is it not lawful for us to put anyone to death? This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Verse 33, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. 
but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. John chapter 19, verse 1 reads, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns in the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. But when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, He who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, uh, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover, It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with, and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read the inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother 
and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He also saw that it, it, has, uh, it has borne witness, his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths and in spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was... Uh, was close at hand, they laid Jesus uh, there. The main character in the story isn't supposed to die. Years ago, Melissa tried to convince me to watch a show that was growing in popularity. Admittedly, initially, I refused. I didn't watch the show, or I didn't want to watch the show, uh, for a number of different reasons. Number one, it was a show on PBS. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Number two, uh, nobody was swinging a bat, shooting a ball, or running with a ball. Number three, nobody was swinging a bat, shooting a ball, or running with a ball. I didn't want to watch the, sh the show, but Melissa was rather persuasive, and so I finally gave in. I watched the show, and I would never admit to it publicly, but I actually somewhat enjoyed it and briefly got sucked in. Briefly. Okay, it was three full seasons of Downton Abbey, all right? My confession. I watched the show rather religiously and faithfully until the end of the third season. 
At the end of the third season, one of the main characters, Matthew, was tragically killed in a car accident. When he left the show, I left the show. His departure was more publicized than mine, uh, but from that moment on, I didn't want to watch anymore. Melissa said, James, why don't, why don't you finish? And I said, no. No, if Matthew is gone, I'm gone. I was done. I was done because the main character isn't supposed to die. Well, on Good Friday, uh, we remember in God's story, the main character died. He didn't die to pursue other opportunities. It's not as if God needed to rewrite his script. This was not an unexpected plot twist in God's story. As a matter of fact, Scripture teaches us that Jesus was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. Jesus died that day. The Jewish leaders plotted against him. Judas, his disciple, his comrade, his follower betrayed him. Herod and Pilate tried him. Jesus died that day because of you and because of me. And he died that day for you and for me. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, uh, these words, uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When Paul penned these words, he wasn't talking about some organization or some ornate church building. Uh, he was talking about people. He was talking about the people of God. He was talking about you, and he was talking about me. Jesus didn't die for perfect people. Uh, he did not die uh, for the well-to-do people or the unusually gifted or talented people. As a matter of fact, Scripture teaches us that Jesus died for the not-so-perfect people. He died for the not-nearly-perfect people. He died for those who were not even close to perfect. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died to pay for the sins of the drifter and the downcast and the doubters. He died for the self-righteous and for the rebel. He died for the immoral and the malcontent. He died for the prideful and for the envious. He died for the can't-seem to get your act together, repeat offenders. He died for the spiritually sick. He died uh, for you and for me. Jesus died because of you and me, and he died for you and me. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It was my sin that cut me off from God, and it was your sin too. It was my hard-heartedness and my spiritual numbness. It was my apathy and my love for self-glory. I was lost and dead in the trespasses of my sin. When it comes to salvation, 
I brought and you bring nothing to the table but our sin. All we can do, all we do, is plead for mercy. All we do is plead for mercy, and in Christ, we find it. We find it because Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. Jesus died because of us, and he died for us. In God's story, uh, the main character, Jesus, died. He was buried, but that is not the end of the story. Uh, For me, one faithful day, many years ago, uh, one character's death was the end. Uh, For Jesus, his death was just the beginning. On Sunday, uh, we celebrate the rest of the story, but tonight we remember and we reflect. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ loved you and gave himself up for you and for me. Let's give him thanks. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus He is our hope, and He is our life. Uh, Without Jesus and without His sacrifice, uh, we would be without hope. Uh, Without the resurrection, we would be be fools uh, chasing a fairy tale. Uh, But we believe your word to be true. Uh, We take Jesus at His word. We really do believe that Jesus Christ is, our Savior, loved the church and gave himself up for her. We believe that Jesus Christ, our Savior, loved us and gave himself up for us. And so this evening we remember and we reflect and we give thanks. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. One of the great joys we have as a church is to participate in communion. Communion, or what is commonly referred to as the Lord's Supper, is an opportunity that we have as a people of God to remember the sacrifice of God, His broken body and the blood that was poured out for you and for me. Communion is both a time of reflection and a time of celebration. We reflect upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our Savior. And we celebrate and declare that we believe he's coming again. Amen. Communion is an opportunity for the people of God to remember the work of God. If you're here this evening and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad that you chose to join us this evening. We welcome you. Uh, please know when, it t- when it's time to partake in the elements. Use this time to reflect and allow the elements to pass. This is something for our church family to declare and partake of. But if you're here this evening 
and you are a follower of Jesus, and you know him as your personal Lord and Savior, that means you've trusted Jesus, his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins, then we invite you to partake. So take a moment, look around and find the cup and the bread. Uh, Peel back the top of the bread. This should be on your seats around. If you can't find it, there should be some. And please pray with me as we give thanks to God. Jesus, we thank you for this bread that represents your body that was broken for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you chose to leave heaven perfection and come be humbly born a servant and you lived a perfect life and you chose to die a sinner's death and um, you took our place on the cross. We sent you to the cross. Jesus, thank you for dying for me and dying for everyone. We love you. In your name, amen. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can take the bread. Let's give thanks for the cup. Uh, The cup represents the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sins. Jesus, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for shedding your blood for us. Jesus, I pray that we would remember your sacrifice as we walk every day of our lives and live our lives to point everyone to you, your perfect life, and your sacrifice for us. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink the cup. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for every person here in this room, God, that they they have come to just remember today, Good Friday. And Good Friday wouldn't be good without Sunday when you rose again. But we remember your sacrifice, Jesus. The pain, the agony that you went through, that we sent you through because of our sins. One sin and we're separated from God. And yet, you chose to die for us when we were your enemies. So Jesus, we thank you for living for us. I do pray for anyone in this room, God, that doesn't know you. God, that you would just bring them to the end of themselves. That they would see that there's nothing they can do to earn salvation. It's a free gift And that if we just trust you with our lives, trust in your perfect life, your death, and your resurrection, that they can have eternal life with you, Father. 
Jesus, we love you in your name. Amen.